The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, November 19, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black Matt Norlander is here with me and since we last talked uh, super late on Tuesday night it's continued to be a rough go for the Big Ten you might remember on Monday night number 10 Illinois lost at unranked Marquette then on Tuesday night number four Michigan lost at home to unranked Seton Hall we talked about both of those games on the previous podcast and then on Wednesday night number 20 Maryland lost at home to unranked George Mason and then on Thursday night, number 19, Ohio State lost at unranked Xavier. Plus, Rutgers lost at DePaul, which should never happen. That seems like punishment for renaming the rack after a sub shop. According to uh, Jared Burson of ESPN Stats and Info, buddy Jeff Barzello tweeted this Thursday night. It's the first time in Big Ten history and only the second time in Division One history that a conference has had a ranked team lose to an unranked slash non-conference opponent on four consecutive days. Deadleg, the Big Ten is supposed to be the best conference in the country. And it might be, but it sure is losing a lot so far this season. Um, these dudes can't get out of the Gavit games fast enough. Question for you. Is it time to relegate everybody in the Big Ten except Purdue, except Purdue, to the Big South, Big West, or Big Sky, we can we can we can we can assign them however we see fit. What's the best Big Sky fit for the Big Ten? Uh, I guess Nebraska. Yeah, so it's definitely Nebraska. Okay, I'd feel sick for those Big Sky opponents having to go to Pinnacle Bank though. That doesn't seem fair. Yeah, we can't be doing that. I, I tell you what. So because of the way the preseason Ken Palm projections work, and there's a ton preseason bias still built in the big 10 is still rated as the best league in america as we speak this morning the big 12 is a close number two in reality the big 12 is the best league right now and could well be the best league again you are right they couldn't get out of the, they could not get out of those gavit games fast enough <laughs> they ain't never been, this is gonna be like uh when kentucky lost at indiana john calvary was like all right we're not doing that anymore <laughs> <laughs> like Christian Wofford shot. And John yeah. was like, all right, we're done with that. The Big Ten is going to be done with the Gavit games. but They're going to have to find something else to play in. The Big Ten Big Sky Challenge is now going to take up the second week of the season. The Gavit games are done. Hashtag Big Ten Big Sky Challenge. Now that you mention it, like, I'm wondering in the past decade, how many times a Big Ten team has even scheduled a Big Sky team? Doesn't feel like I'm, I'm getting a lot of Montana State playing Wisconsin. Doesn't feel like that's a common uh, common bond there, but we sure could use it. That's a hell of a stat that you brought up, 
that uh, Borzella tweeted. I also heard it on SVP shows late on Saturday night. Uh, by the way, that noise you heard is disappearing forever. That is a noise I cannot stop on this computer. I will soon be using this computer, but I don't have the dongle. Don't even get me started on this. So we had a couple of complaints about what's that noise? Why don't you guys turn off your alerts? I can't turn off that alert. I have tried. I don't know what to do. So that's disappearing. I thought I was supposed to be the technology challenge. Oh my god! I I turn off all my alerts. You'll never oh hear. You'll never hear an alert from me. We almost never heard from you. That's a Twenty rough minutes go. to get going on this bad boy because, because I had a bad wire. Bad. <laughs> it was bad. We almost had to go bootleg audio there, but we are good to go. Um, and I, this should be the last podcast you ever hear that stupid noise on my computer it's so perfect by the way and i'll get to the big time in a second like they they make these new macbook pros and there's no these are the, now all of the inputs they don't have usb so i gotta go buy an adapter to get this hooked up so i have my mic work it's i have every adapter you could possibly imagine <laughs> i have so many adapters i travel with we should show my suitcase on the podcast like a someday. grateful dead roadie yeah. i it really is like I'm, it looks like i'm in a band except i'm not I'm just the Jim uh, Nance of, of college basketball podcasting, but I have like a, a little uh, a case and it's got every adapter, every IFB, every portable mic. I got portable lights now. I'm set up. Anytime you need to talk to me, I'm going to sound great and be well lit, except for the like 20 minutes ago. That was exactly. a problem. But, but going forward, going forward, I'm in a good place. Uh, not a nose. Okay, so the Big Ten. Uh, it's not doing so well here's here, but how about this? It's not just the big 10, although it is in trouble in that four straight days, ranked teams losing to unranked opponents. Only the second time ever, uh, that it happened is wild. First time in big 10 history. Here's who, what we have for records across the country right now from conferences. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see them scrolling across the bottom of your screen. So the best record by far, you got the big 12 at 29 and two, the big East is 31 and four great start to the big East. Uh, SEC 37 and six, fourth best record. You know what it is? Big Sky. Oh, I don't have Big Sky on, so I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty positive it's not the Big Sky. The WCC is 30 and seven. Gonzaga, BYU, San Fran, Santa Clara, San, St. Mary's, a combined 18 and 0, all undefeated. Hashtag four bid WCC. San Francisco got a come from behind win against. Nevada on Thursday night, big time. Seriously, WCC. We'll save it for maybe another pop, but they're looking pretty pretty nice so far. Then the Americans, twenty eight and eight, and then ACC and Big Ten both with ten losses apiece. The ACC is thirty eight and ten. The Big Ten is thirty seven and ten. The Pac twelve. Oh boy, doesn't even deserve to play the Big Sky. Thirty two and eleven, and the Mountain West hasn't played nearly as many games. Mountain West is twenty three and eleven. So those are your overall records. We're nine days into the season right now. Big Ten's having its issues, but it's not the only big league. That's why I brought that up, GP. ACC already in double-digit losses. Pac-12 already in double-digit losses as well. The Big Ten gets the most attention because it had the most high-profile teams heading into the season, and you've seen some unexpected losses happen at the stop of the standings. Uh, obviously, of the past two nights, I think the most interesting and, you know, relative to the point spread, most surprising result was George Mason going and winning at Maryland. George Mason had never beaten Maryland in the history of the world. And they go and do it on uh, Wednesday night and they go and do it with first year, 33 year old head coach, Kim English. 
which is just a great story. You know, I, I have to update the top 25 and one every single morning. Do you know that? Woo. Yes, and, we all know that. Yes. And I typically um, write about a team that is in the top 25 and one. And yet for Thursday mornings, top 25 and one, I, I you know, you could tie it to Maryland because they were in there. Not anymore. But I mostly wrote about, you know, George Mason and Kim because it's such a neat deal. Um, you know, they I don't think have been to the NCAA tournament since 2011. Never finished better than fifth in the Atlantic 10 with Dave Pawson. So last March, they fired Dave and they hire Kim, who was an assistant at Tennessee. Before that, an assistant at Colorado um, played collegiately at Missouri and uh, subsequently played in the NBA and sort of a rising star in the in the coaching profession at a very young age. Again, 33. He gets a job at George Mason, which um, he's from Baltimore. So he grew up 60 miles from George Mason's campus, 40 miles from Maryland's campus. He's a Maryland native. And in his fourth game as a Division I head coach, he goes and beats Maryland at Maryland. Like, I feel sick for Maryland fans because I, I know they didn't want that to happen. But if you can separate yourself from that just a bit, um, it's a really neat story. It's a very good story. There's, I mean, yes. First of all, um, I, I, I think I've seen about 20 media members refer to Kim English's age when they've brought up the fact that George Mason's 4-0 now. It's, I think this might be mandatory. 33-year-old, but he is young. He's, he's young and he's off to a wonderful, wonderful start. It's like 30-year-old Drew Valentine also off to a very good start at Loyola. Chicago. Yeah, like I do think his age is part of Like I don't, I don't, I don't say like um, 64-year-old John Calipari <laughs> or whatever, however old he is. But I do think when, when somebody is 33 um, and a Division One head coach at a school that has some history, mm -hmm. you did the big story on George Mason's Final Four run uh, a few years back. Um, that, that was the biggest, I, I think the biggest, most notable development of, of the past two nights. And the other reason I think you see, uh, maybe 20 media members tweet about this on Wednesday night is because everybody knows Kim and, 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 you know, maybe I can't speak for everybody, but, uh, I think most people like Kim and love seeing him have this success is interesting. He did something when he was in school that I've never had another college basketball player do I've never seen anybody else do it. We were at a game at Mar uh, Missouri and it was a big game. I don't remember who, who they were playing. I, I meant to look it up and I just didn't, but there was a lot of national media there. That's, that's the type of big game it was. So I, I don't remember exactly who was there, but for the sake of the conversation, let's say it was um, Dane O'Neill, Andy Katz, Mike DeCourcy, me, whatever. And um, we're all, you know, game over, press conferences. Now we're all in the media room, banging out columns, trying to get to last call at some college bar, probably. Sounds like, sounds like something we'd do. And um, door opens, and it's Kim English. And he walks in and introduces himself to every one of us. Hey, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm Kim English. Uh, just wanted to say I really appreciate you being here. Really enjoy your work. It's good to meet you in person. You know, to Dana and then to me, and then to Mike, or whoever was there. And I just thought that was a really impressive thing um, at that age, because here's the truth. College basketball fans know, you know who these people are and, and what we do, but college basketball players, I don't know how much they pay attention to us, actually. And um, 
but but Kim recognized at a very young age, like, hey, I don't know where my life is going. Am I going to be a professional basketball player? Am I going to be in the media like a lot of former college players? Am I going to be in coaching and I'm going to have to have relationships with these people? Uh, I don't want to speak for Kim, but like I'm, I'm confident he recognized those things. So why not develop relationships? Why not meet them? Why not introduce myself? Um, and I, I don't know that that story. As you know, I don't remember a lot of things. I can't remember who Missouri played. I can't remember who was there. I remember that. And so when you see people genuinely happy for the way Kim's head coaching career has gotten off to a nice start, I think a lot of it is tied to we feel like we've known this guy since he was a college student because in many cases, we have known him since he was a college student. Indeed. And uh, big. T I mean, listen, that was uh, a good hire by George Mason. There is all there's already I did. Uh, so that would have been Wednesday night, late Wednesday. I just was like, and I, I usually don't do this much, but sometimes I'm oddly intrigued. So I did pop into a Maryland message board, <laughs> popped into a Missouri message board. Dude's coached four games and it's already like, they both want to hire him. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and like that, my Twitter mentions, cause I tweeted about it Wednesday night and my, my mentions were like, Kim, it's time to come back to Missouri. <laughs> like they're ready. They're fired up. Well, there good was for a, him. There was another thread titled on a Maryland message board. This is why, like, I'm sure some of these threads are made in jest, but some of them are, are, are earnest and serious and out of desperation and frustration. And I swear to God, one of them, and I don't remember the board. Uh, this might've been Scott Van Pelt posting this for all I know. But it was, it's time to call Rick Patino. <laughs> no, um, no. Fans, you're not losing Mark Turgeon this year. That's not happening. But the idea that you lose one game to George Mason for the first time in your school history, and now it's time to get Rick Patino on the phone. No, some of these message boards, like, I don't spend hardly any time on them because it's just like, it's, it's a, wait, a total waste of time. But um, every once in a while, I have friends who are on them. And they'll bring me some wild thing that they read on the message board. And it's so wild that to any reasonable person, it's like, what, what is it? What are you even doing? But these people often, like, they really are thinking along these lines. Like, they really believe it. For instance, um, last year I got a buddy. He's a Florida State, State grad, loves Florida State. And he texts me, I don't know, February, March, and he was like, what are you hearing on uh, Roy Williams at North Carolina? Are you hearing he might retire? And I'm like, well, you know, at, at his age, you, you, you're, you're always, you know, near retirement. So nothing would surprise me, but I'm not necessarily hearing he's definitely retiring. And I said, why? What's up? And he said, well, I just read on the message board, Florida State message board. He said that um, they were going to push, sort of nudge Roy Williams into retirement and hire Leonard Hamilton to replace him. And I actually texted back. I was like, uh, are you serious with this? And he was like, yeah, that's, 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 you know, it's like good sources. I'm like, why would North Carolina retire Roy Williams and hire 73 year old Leonard Hamilton? What are you talking? Do you realize how crazy that sounds? He was half on it though. <laughs> he, he had half of it, right? Half of it was right. But like there was a, apparently a thread somewhere, somewhere about, Leonard Hamilton's going to be the next head coach at North Carolina. 
which would have been fine with me, but like North Carolina's just not going to hire a 73 year old. Leonard Hamilton's going to coach at Florida state until he decides not to coach. And then that'll be that. But like, that's what is often on message boards. Some wild stuff, man. Yeah. There's a good Twitter. I, I don't follow this because I think it's mostly college football, but there's a, there's a Twitter handle account message board geniuses. And occasionally it'll get retweeted into my timeline. And some of them are phenomenal. Like they're <laughs> just incredible. Um, so yeah, I got to give Rick Patino a call. Uh, the other, uh, oh, by the way, um, George Mason will play James Madison on Friday for the 100th time in school history. Both those teams are undefeated. And if Mason can get that win, uh, I believe it's a road game, then it will like really start to be developing a legitimate at-large candidacy, and we'll see what they can do. If I, if George Mason gets the NCAA tournament this season and Missouri just kind of does what we think it's going to do, then yes, I, I suppose after just one season, there will be plenty of Kim English noise to return home. The other game we should probably talk about that happened on Thursday night uh, was I didn't realize this until I was watching the the broadcast. Xavier gets a big win at home against Ohio State. Did you realize this was the first time these schools had played since that awesome, awesome tournament game in 2007? Trivia time! Hmm. Who was on the call? Who was a play-by-play announcer for that game? Gus Johnson? That's right. I don't know how I remember we got that. someone out I here checking all this. Look I at might that. have just guessed. I might yeah, have just guessed fine. that. Phenomenal game, though. Phenomenal. And uh, trivia time. Oh, God. come on. Bring it. I'm one for one today. Because it was one of the, I think that might have been the last tournament where they played on the old floors at the schools where they played in. It was before the NCAA just ruined all that and put that bland crap on the floor. What venue was that at? Oh, that was, clear, that was clearly played at... Pinnacle Bank? Oh, no. I don't hmm. think Pinnacle Bank existed in 2007. That would have been Rupp Arena. So that was a second round epic between uh, Xavier and Ohio State. Ohio State won that one. Xavier won on Thursday night. What was your impressions of that game? Um, Listen, great win for Xavier. Remember, they're still playing without Zach Fremantle, who was their leading scorer last season. He um, averaged 16.1 points, 8.9 rebounds. He had surgery middle of last month uh, for a foot injury and that's usually the recovery from that injury is like a, a six-week deal so he could be back at the end of this month maybe early December that seems to be the timeline but he's not back now so they're playing out without a super important guy and you still knock off Ohio State you know Paul Scruggs got you know, 14.6 rebounds, four assists in that game. He's now averaging 18.6 and 4.3 assists through three games. So he's having a, a really nice start to this season. Xavier is now 3-0. and I did push them into the top 25-1. and They're in the 30s in most computer rankings, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now, coming off of a big win on Thursday night. To me, the more interesting thing, is Ohio State because they're now one and three against the spread. Um, barely beat Akron despite being a 16 and a half point favorite. Only beat Niagara by 10 despite being a 19 and a half point favorite. And then lost at Xavier by six despite being a two and a half point favorite. So they haven't been performing to expectations. And I think there's, um, I mean, it, 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 there, there's an obvious issue relative to what the preseason expectations were. And it's that Cedric Russell is giving them nothing. You know, he's the transfer from Louisiana that people, I, made a, not a big deal, 
It wasn't like signing huge, huge deal. Well, it wasn't like signing Amani Bates, but it was like, hey, they lost to Wayne Washington, but they're grabbing Cedric Russell, this transfer from Louisiana, who averaged 17 points per game last season and shot 40% from three on 7.3 attempts per game. Like some of that's got to translate. You thought. I went back and looked it up in this offseason when they secured the commitment from Cedric Russell. I that was a reason for me to update the top 25 and one. And I moved them up based on that addition. Not far, but some. Well, he played four minutes against Akron, missed the second game of the season because of a death in the family, played eight minutes against Bowling Green, didn't play at all against Xavier. Again, he was supposed to help ease the loss of Dwayne Washington. He's been a total non-factor this season. It doesn't mean he won't be a factor at some point, but it's just a reminder that these mid-major slash low-major transfers up to the tip-top of the sport, they often don't make the impact some of us, and I include myself in this, think that they will. He's been a total nothing so far for, for the Buckeyes. And then they lost Justice Suen to an abdominal injury. He's going to be out for what has been described as, quote, an extended period of time. He was the third leading scorer on that team last season. Averaged 10.7 points, 5.5 rebounds per game. So if you don't have Justice Suing and Cedric Russell is giving you nothing, you might be in a tough spot. Yeah, and if Russell's dealing with the death in the family, that's obviously our thoughts go out to him, and that uh, might be hampering his his development in the short term there. But Ohio State, you mentioned your – listen, great – Welcome to the party, by the way. I had him ranked in the preseason top 25 level. You, I assume, so did you, because I haven't seen your latest. I got I got something with your rankings coming up. Though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise you with something here. Did you, did you swap out Ohio State and Xavier, basically? Like, Ohio State left your rankings and Xavier jumped in? Is that what happened? That's right. The only other thing I considered is putting Michigan State back in, because they just blew out Butler. The computer numbers are improving since that season opening disappointing because they didn't really play competitively loss um, to Kansas. Um, Michigan state again has good. The computer numbers have improved since then. They just blew out Butler at Hinkle. I was going to throw them in and I just said, you know what? I'll go with the team that just got a big win as opposed to the team that, you know, took a loss to a great team. And, but really, you know, beating Butler is by, by a bunch is notable, but you know, Butler's not ranked. I'm not sure how Butler, how good Butler is going to be. Um, so I was picking between Xavier and Michigan State for 26th after dropping Ohio State out of the rankings. Yes. Gotcha. All right. So I meant to do what I'm about to do right now. I meant to do it uh, in the episode before the start of the season, but I we just got all caught up with other stuff there. Um, I'm about to read you the very first. I, I saved this when you did it. And I did not look at it until literally this morning. The very first edition of your top 25 and one that you filed the morning after the final four. Mm-hmm. Let's just see how much has changed. Now, this was obviously before transfers, people that left for the draft. All that goes without saying. But let's just, you know, a lot of these teams are in similar spots. A couple of them are in the exact spot as the day after the final four. Obviously, some of them are gone. So I'm going to read it off. And here, this is the day after the Baylor won the championship. This was Parrish's top 25 and one. I'll read through this real quick. He had UCLA one. It's now number two. This, by the way, the, the, when I say now number two, this is, was as of 
yesterday's. I didn't see his new one, so I might be off by a ranking or two with some of these, but you get the picture. UCLA was one. It's now number two. Gonzaga was two. It's now number one. Do you know who you had, who you had third? I don't remember. You had Alabama, number three, now 11th. But that was before they had significant. You know, they're still highly ranked. but They, they had significant, yeah. somewhat unexpected roster turnover. Like, I don't know the day after the Final Four, many people had, say, Josh Primo entering the draft. Exactly. It, perfect example. So you had Alabama three. You had Duke four, now sixth. You had Baylor fifth, now eighth. So we're still standing. Number six, though, out of the poll, Ohio State. But that was before NBA draft decisions, but you did have it was Ohio- that. Well, that's when you're expecting, or at least I was expecting. I think if you go back and looked at my projected roster, yes. it had Dwayne Washington Jr. on it. Right. Yeah. So everyone then, yeah. Was, basically, with everyone back, they were a two seed. That's why. Yeah. Um, Florida State was seven. They're out. Uh, Michigan was eighth. You had, and you had them 17th. Purdue, you had nine. They're now 10. You had Kansas 10. They're now three in your rankings. You had Villanova 11, which is now up to four. Houston was 12 then. It's 12 now. Another team that's out, that was 13. Maryland, they're now out of your rankings. Kentucky was 14 then, 13 now. It's pretty much the same. Another one, Carolina, 15 then, 15 now, holding steady. Arkansas, you had 16th. You had UConn 17. Those are both still ranked. You've got Arkansas top 10. Uh, another team that's out that you just mentioned, Michigan State, you had 18. They're gone. Bonnie's, you had 19. They're now 23. Tennessee's been basically the same, 20 versus 19. And then you got teams that are out. You had Arizona 21. They're out. You had USC 22. Out. Virginia 23. Out. I've got and- USC back in now, by the way. Okay. Well, I didn't see that. <laughs> USC's in. USA's in Virginia out Oregon out Illinois was 25 now they were 22 at most recent and then 26 with Syracuse which is out so nothing like crazy drastic yeah I would say if you don't mind me saying that think that holds up pretty well you did, a, you did a pretty good job Alabama at three makes sense back then but it was certainly notable that they were three and then the the highest ranked ones that aren't in the rankings now Ohio State at six and FSU at seven so a fun little exercise well, and, and, so and many the- changes happen over the offseason that it was cool to kind of go back to look at that day after. The well, right now I've got Memphis in the top 10. I didn't have Memphis in that one. And that obviously is because they added Jalen Turin and Imani Bates. That's right. So is there anyone else aside from, because that's what I didn't check because we were, again, we, we ran into tech issues. Memphis is top 10. What's the second off the top of your head, given that you do this every single day? Memphis is a high ranked team that you didn't have ranked at all the day after the title game. What would be the next highest ranked team you can pull that from memory in your well, rankings like, now byu i mean BYU. i've got i've got byu 14th now i had byu unranked in the preseason unranked um the day after the final four seton hall is another one i've got seton hall now 16th they were unranked um on the day after the final four and unranked all the way through the preseason some of this is like the outliers like you know you had maryland but you don't now or you had oregon but you don't have because they just lost you know they did if if you flip those results and i know you can't but you flip those results they're still in that actually it's a reminder i think that you know i do that every year right after the championship game the next morning whenever and immediately people are like ah you you don't this means nothing you don't know and but in clearly you know you're going to miss on Dwayne washington coming back you're not going to know where Amani you're not even going to know Amani Bates and Jalen Dern are going to be in college because they both reclassified but generally speaking it is a pretty good indicator of who's going to be good in the season that is still you know whatever seven months away 
Um, well, I got some nuggets if you want them. If you want to hit on a few quick things here, a couple of headlines. Uh, I'll be quick on this. Pat Baldwin Jr. played Florida on Thursday, had 13 points. They got romped. That stinks. They only got two big games. Uh, I did actually, I wound up talking about this on HQ this morning, GP. That was, you know, somewhat of an, they had, dude, they had 40, oh, close to 40 scouts in attendance. Gonzaga, Texas had 23. Now, to be fair, the scouts are probably thinking that we're going to have plenty of time to watch Gonzaga, UCLA, Gonzaga, right. Texas, whatever. But it was, it, you know, Baldwin wasn't that good. Um, so that was, Florida continues to look pretty, pretty damn good. But Milwaukee, um, I hope it's not a season that goes to waste. But they were not competitive. You don't just walk into the O-Dome, as you well know. Um, so that's a headline. Uh, Jim Calhoun is retiring for good. For good. D3. Uh, I, you know what? I was going to bring up the audio to play on this pod, GP, that you had mentioned. But I went back and listened to it like you said you did. Mecca Okafor uh, and um, uh, Karan Butler. They're not bad. Uh, he drops like 11 f bombs, and I wasn't gonna, I was not gonna manipulate the audio with all the. I guess like I can't, I can't do this. Um, but Calhoun is, uh, he's he's done. Um, so he, he retires at the age of 79, three national titles, ten Big East regular season championships, seven tournament championships. Obviously a Hall of Famer. He steps down from Division Three St. Joseph's right here where I live. So wanted to mention that. Um, two more things. I mentioned Gonzaga UCLA. Dick Vitale has been cleared to return. Right. Come on now. We'd love to see that. He's been battling uh, cancer and undergoing treatment. So I just, I just, I just love that he's still doing this, man. He, I'm ambassador for college basketball, right? He's the best. And he's one of the most recognizable college basketball figures who has ever lived um, because of the prominence he's played. Um, on college basketball broadcast because of his bald head, because he's Dickie V because of, you know, PT peers. Um, he's, he's, I know from a broadcasting perspective, he's not for everybody. Like, you know, I, 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 it's, but that is a, a, the sweetest man in the world and a man who has worked tirelessly to um, raise money for cancer research. Um, He's as genuine as they come. I know that from a distance, this is the rare, this is, I think, sometimes rare in life for public figures. From a distance, some people are annoyed by it. But up close, everybody loves him. Mm -hmm. Everybody. And, um, you know, it's, it's just awful to hear what he's been going through. But unsurprisingly, He's kept a super positive attitude and to see that pop on Thursday night that he's going to return for that massive, you know, Gonzaga UCLA showdown. It, it made me smile. You know, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to to do this, right. but um, I love at the very least, we're going to get to see him do it one more time. And I love that for him, he's going to get to be in that building and do what he has uh, done um, so enthusiastically for decades, um, he's just, I, there's nobody I, I root for more than that guy. Absolutely, man. I remember this would have been, uh, I think 2012, maybe 2013. I was at the garden to cover. I'm gonna pull a parish here. I don't remember who was, who was, who was playing. 
No idea. Doesn't matter. But I remember this. I remember this. And it's probably like an hour before the game. Uh, like a few fans maybe had filtered in, but teams are shooting around and Vital's on the call. And we had met before. I had done a thing before I got to CBS when I ran College Hoops Journal back in the day. Shout out to the OGs who listened to the College Hoops Journal podcast um, where I had, I had gone up to ESPN and actually sat with Dick Vitale, Reese Davis, Digger Phelps, and I had basically chronicled a day of watching the NCAA, the first day of the NCAA tournament at ESPN, and it was awesome, and I had a great time. That would have been, I think, March of 09 when I did that. And uh, it was awesome. They were they were wonderful, and it was it was a great time. But I but I was just kind of sitting there, I was talking with maybe Jeff Goodman. Um, but Vital came up and like shook my hand, and like he knew my name and called me out by name, and I didn't know that he knew who I was. And it was like you know, we had never made communication like you know directly like that. Um, he like we had not exchanged emails or anything like that or DMs. So it was on a personal note. Uh, it was something that kind of just kind of took me aback there because, you know, he's certainly a, a living legend in all of American sports there. And as you probably well know, um, uh, he's got a he's got a nice uh, team that helps kind of get how he's written a couple of books and you know, all this stuff. And so every time Dick Vitale does something like I'm getting something in the mail, personalized, Matt, I hope you like I could go and hunt somewhere over here behind me. Hey, Matt, hope you enjoy this. Love your coverage. Uh, thanks so much, Dickie. If you like, he's signing it. He just, he's got a very, just a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, you are right. His, the way that he calls a game has, has turned polarizing over the years because um, he's got his own style. But I'm just telling you, as a person, don't know anyone better in all of college basketball media, and maybe all of media period. And it is wonderful that he is going to be back on the mic and still working. That's right. And like, again, I, I, I mentioned this. You know, sometimes people seem great or enjoyable or likable from a distance, but then if you're ever really around them, you wouldn't really enjoy them too much. Um, like they're better from a distance than they are up close. I think somebody's probably said that about me before. Okay. <laughs> but Dick is the rare, I don't know about rare, but certainly mostly rare example of somebody who's better up close than he might be from a distance. I don't know anybody who knows him who doesn't love him. And, you know, you, you mentioned you know, getting the signed books and all that stuff. Um, he's just a generous man who takes time to, to make people feel better. And like when I, I posted on Instagram, I think when my son got accepted to Emory, uh, which we were really excited about, not so excited about the tuition, <laughs> $92,000 a year. Yeah, that's not fun. Oh <laughs> These dudes take $8,700 out of my checking account the 27th of every month. $8,700 comes out of my checking account the 27th of every month. That's a hell of a thing. You got eight more, you got eight more days, buddy. Brace. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hell of a thing to look at when you call up the uh, the truest account. But um, so anyway, I put that on Instagram or somewhere. And, you know, you get a text message from Dick Vitale who's like, hey, just really excited. This sounds great, blah, 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 blah. And um, if you'd have told 13-year-old me that someday Dick Vitale would be texting me randomly on a Wednesday afternoon, I'd be like, what's texting? Probably because it didn't exist when I was 13. But um, you get the point. 
Um, the, the, we, you and I have been doing this long enough now. We, we've met everybody there is to meet, and we've been around all these famous people, and you know, you sort of you get numb to it. But there's still something about these larger than life figures from your childhood. You know, you've got a relationship with them to whatever degree now. That's still neat. And, um, you know, getting to watch Dick Vitale still work in the year 2021 is neat. Getting to see him work soon under these circumstances is, as he might say, awesome, baby. So I'm looking forward to it. It's awesome, baby. That's right. And I'll move on with one more headline. But I'll just say this, like us doing this podcast, college basketball being where it is and what it is. And it's obviously a competing network and how much they broadcast it's. That is vital in the early 80s, all through that decade into the early 90s. For the young people listening to this, and man, do you sound old when you say for the young people listening to this. But say, seriously, if you're under 25, I, you probably can't really fully appreciate or realize how influential of a figure in the sport Mr. Vital is, has been, and awesome that he's, it's awesome, baby, that he's back on the, uh, on the mic here. Last uh, thing, I just want to mention this. I'm still technically... Right, but I'm not going to be right for much longer. There have been two postponements or games not being played due to uh, more than two, but two teams uh, due to COVID outbreaks. Wagner is currently postponing games. And then Abilene Christian, it's not even traveling to play in the Bahamar eight team tournament that it's uh, that it was supposed to be in down at the Bahamas. For the purposes of the tournament, the games will be forfeited, but they are not being logged as forfeits. So ACU, which made the tournament last season, by the way, it's not going to have any losses in the standings because of forfeits. And then it was like supposed to play Coastal Carolina uh, on Monday, starting in that it Coastal Carolina doesn't get a win. So as far as the NCAA is concerned, these are not yet forfeits. But I said good vibes only. Under 0.5 forfeits this season. We are still technically under, but it's not a great thing that we're nine. 10 days in and we still we've already had two teams um, that have not been able to play. So hopefully because because, because they're not properly vaccinated, correct? That is uh, my understanding. Yes. Specifically with Abilene Christian. Uh, yes. Uh, multiple, multiple players on that roster, not vaccinated. So because of that, uh, you have positive tests and then you have contact tracing, which is why they can't go throw in the fact they are going to an island and you'd have to quarantine and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yes, that is that is correct. All right, Deadleg. There's a pretty good college basketball schedule on tap for the weekend over the next three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to get into that momentarily, preview some games, pick some games. The final four and one is next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, Deadleg, before we get uh, to the final four and one, you got our updated records? I do. I actually had to go back and <laughs> I went back and listened. So I'm going to be jotting these down in real time this time so I don't have to do this. And it was it was quite a treat to go back and listen to last week's segment, mm. which went long. We'll be we'll be quicker this time. Uh, and you we'll to see. have this, these. Con- <laughs> I know you had these picks. You were like, yeah, man. No, it's I, I got to go with uh, I got to go with Texas. to cover. It was like 11. I got to go with Texas to cover and Florida, Florida State, Florida. And it was like, yeah, how can I not go with the Knowles here? I'm going with the Knowles. Knowles did not cover. So you were one and four. Nah, it doesn't sound right. It, it is. I went back and listened. You were one and four. I feel like I'm getting cheated. I am three and two. Continuing to take, we had a good couple suggestions in the comments last week. In this podcast episode on YouTube, go ahead and drop us some suggestions for what should be on the line for our season-long records here. But I'm three and two. You are one and four. You offer up the first four games, and I will do the and one and give us the fifth game to pick. Who do we got? Friday. It's game one. Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Ohio at number 13, Kentucky, inside Rex Chapman Arena. Kentucky minus 12. You can watch it on the SEC Network. This is tasty. Ohio's good. They lost They lost an NBA player, and they might be just as good. This is Go ahead. T- t- talk about their big win. No, I know you want to. Who'd they beat? Why do <laughs> Who'd they beat? We don't, need to, we don't need to talk about that. We just don't need to talk about that. Ohio is uh, 97th in Palm as we speak right now. 3-0. and um, Yes, they did knock out Belmont. They also have wins over Cleveland State and Bobby Moe. Uh, so here comes a game against Kentucky. Number's too big. I'm taking, I'm taking Ohio to win this. Not to win. <laughs> to cover. Not to win. Not to win. Not to win. Mark's, I was looking at the name. Mark Sears, sophomore point guard. Uh, it will be a wonderful replacement to Jason Preston, who's moved on to, uh, to bigger and better things. So you're giving me 12, and this is the line. This is not the Kempon line. This is the line. We actually have, uh, courtesy of Caesar Sportsbook, uh, for all these Friday games, we have lines. There's a couple Saturday we got to get to. But the Friday games are the actual line lines. So give me Jeff Bowles and company to win by single or to lose. I keep saying they're going to win. Like, <laughs> to lose by single digits. I hope they win. Go back. Nada will go back, cut this, make it look like I predicted an Ohio win. The whole time, but I actually think it'll be pretty close. Like they'll lose by five or six. Ohio covers with ease. Um, Kentucky's got some wild, um, statistical individual yeah. performances going on right now, dude. I know you're about to say this, but I forgot to mention Oscar Seaboy is averaging 18.7 rebounds a game. What? <laughs> I mean, it's 18.7. Eight, he's averaging 18.3 points and 18.7 rebounds in 30.3 minutes per game. That's outrageous. It's a joke. Uh, um, and then there's Severe Wheeler. Remember, he led the SEC in assists per game last season at Georgia at 7.4. He's averaging 10 assists per game uh, right now in 30 minutes per game, 11 points, 10 assists. And then Kellen Grady is averaging 12 points per game shooting 56.3% from three. So um, the, the transfer market, I think you could reasonably argue nobody's benefiting from the transfer market right now uh, more than Kentucky. And we talked about this a lot in the preseason, or at least I did, that Kentucky had obvious problems last season. There were, there were three of them that really stood out. Too reliant on freshmen, uh, no, no high-level point guards, and they could they didn't not enough competent three-point shooters. So they go out and add Severe Wheeler, um, Kellen Grady. 
They enroll Ty Ty Washington. So check out this difference. They added multiple high-level point guards, and they added shooting. Now check this difference out. Last season, Kentucky shot 33.6% from three, which ranked 176 in the country, and they turned it over on 19.8% of the possessions, which ranked 217th in the country. Now, they're shooting 45.1% from three. That's 18th in the country. And they're only turning it over on 16.6% of their possessions. That ranks 90th in the country. They are like, you know, 150 spots better in the country in three-point field goal uh, percentage. And, you know, like around, you know, 120, 130 spots better in offensive turnover rate. They really, and I, I think this, you know, John really specifically addressed these issues and it's still early, but the numbers have drastically improved. And that's why Kentucky is going to be a drastically, or at least it's among the reasons Kentucky is going to be a drastically better team than they were last season. And a, you know, legitimate candidate to go to a final four even if they did start the season 0-1 with a loss to Duke. Yeah, I I talked about this on HQ on Friday morning, uh, and then we can move on to the next game. But to me, the perimeter stuff is significant, but the rebounding of Shibwe and what he can be is what will ultimately make Kentucky Final Four worthy, I think, this season. We'll see if he can keep it. 18 a game is not... I mean, that's like that's like Bill Russell territory. Like You cannot... That's not sustainable. But if you're going to tell me... Shibway is going to be like a 14 board a game guy. That's magnificent, particularly if he's going to be that good and be reliable on the offensive end so they can get second chance opportunities after threes and all that good stuff. Uh, if you picked it, I missed it. I have Ohio covering. Who do you have? I'll take uh, I'll take Kentucky to cover just because I'll be different than you. That really is the only reason. And you say it's not sustainable with Shibway, and I think that's probably right. Like, I don't, I don't believe he's going to average 18 rebounds per game. But this isn't one of those deals where, you know, sometimes you see, especially early in the season, like somebody had this massive performance and then, you know, sort of normalized after that. But the average, you know, on the season is still really high. This dude has gone 20, 20, and 16. So it's not like some some outlier performance that's pushing him up to 18 rebounds a game. He's got at least 16 in three consecutive games, one of which was against you know, Duke and that front line that features future NBA players, former five-star prospects. So again, I agree with you. I don't think it's sustainable, but yeah, he's going to, it looks like he's going to average 14, maybe 15 rebounds per game. Um, you know, that he's, he's been incredible uh, so far in the season game two Friday, 9 PM. Eastern it's Georgia tech at Georgia inside Sunday out of Gaines Coliseum, Georgia tech minus five and a half. You can watch it on the sec network. You don't remember Sunday out of games. No, I don't. You got five and a half. That's what it showed me. Take Georgia. I'm going to take Georgia here, uh, but I don't have a great reason. I, I need to know why you picked this game. What? What kind it's of a, it's an in-state rivalry between Josh Pastner and Tom cream. What are you even talking about? They're playing it in Sunday out of games Coliseum. When I was a young reporter, I had hair and stuff. I uh, covered uh 13 and under AAU national championship tournament. Number one ranked 13 year old in the country at the time. Sunday out of gains. 
How did that work out for him? He became a Division One player. Yeah. Did some stuff after that. What stuff? Got a Coliseum named after him for one. There we go. I like to see it. I'm going Ugga, although, got to say, returns aren't that strong. Georgia's 2-1. and one. Loss on the road at Cincinnati has beaten FIU and 350th at Ken Palm, South Carolina State, by cool 16 points. Georgia Tech is also 2-1, and one, opened up with a home loss for the second consecutive season, by the way, opened up with a home loss to a mid-major team, lost to Miami University. That's out of Ohio, not out of South Beach or Coral Gables, if you will, and uh, has wins over Stetson and Lamar. I don't know what the hell to think about either of these teams. I think Georgia Tech's the better team, but I'll take Georgia to cover in this. Yeah, um, I'll take Georgia plus the points as well. This is year four for Tom Crean. Um, it is not going well. The record to date is 43-50 and 50 overall, 14-40 and 40 in the SEC. He's finished 13th, 13th, and tied for 10th in his first three years in the league, and then after last season, like, lost his whole team. I think they had six, top six scores, might have transferred. Um, and now, like as you point out, they're outside of the top 160 at Ken Palm, well behind Georgia Tech and Georgia State. Um, they're two and one with a couple of nothing wins to go with that loss at Cincinnati. But Ken Palm currently projects Georgia's record to be 10 and 20 overall, three and 15 in the SEC. That's not a great first four years. He got Marquette going more quickly than that, and he got Indiana rebuilt from nothing more quickly than that. I'm surprised that this is going the way it's going. Are you surprised this is going the way it's going? Uh, to this extent, yes. I cannot believe this is season four already, though. It's kind of wild to me that he's already in his fourth year at Georgia. And this is undeniably a hot seat situation. If they are not a good team and they are flirting at 500 or worse, it would not surprise me if we wound up seeing a coaching change there. Um, but Big opportunity here, like stuff like this. Can you can you win this game? Can you steal this one um, as an underdog? Uh, a nice opportunity, and I do th I do think that Georgia will keep it close, so I will take them to cover. Game three, Saturday, one p.m. Eastern. Number five Villanova versus number seventeen Tennessee inside Mohegan Sun Arena. I forgot. Do we name? Do we rename neutral court arenas? I don't believe we do. I don't think we do I think, either. I think we just uh, we pay respect to the venue that it is, and uh, and but you know what? I saw DMB here less than two weeks ago. This is gonna be Carter Beaufort Arena for all I care. Carter Beaufort Arena. I'm gonna be on hand. Are you aware of this? Yes, I'm aware. I didn't know if you know. I'm going to this game. We've got a actually of nice ones. we've actually talked about it. Have we? Sure. No. Yeah. Are you, you sure? Yeah, you're going on Saturday, but you can't go on Sunday because it's your boy's birthday. Boom. He's on it. That's right. Not technically his birthday, but we're having the party and all that good stuff. Uh, we can name uh, it Staples Center since that's going away. Actually, Let's just walk. from now on, every neutral court will be Staples Center. So let me do it again. Game three, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's number five, Villanova versus number seven, ten, 17, Tennessee inside Staples Center. Kim Palm has it. Villanova minus one. You can watch it on ESPN News. Is that the channel? Dude, you can't get on. It's college football Saturday. You're lucky to be on ESPN News. That's wild. Put, uh, you, put you. It's either ESPN News or Pac-12 Network. Man, oh man, oh man. Pac-12 Network should try to get that Villanova Tennessee game. It should. That, that'd be good for them. If was in the Pac-12, it'd be one hell of a. Coup. What if the Pac-12 started scheduling non-Pac-12 games? They're like, you know what? We've had enough. 
I don't yeah, know but- if anyone at the Pac-12 Network listens to this podcast. They must adore you. I just outright adore you. You know what? I, uh, I can't get the channel. I know. It is what it is. I'm not saying you don't walk this back. And I, I, you know what? I reached out to him one time trying to be because uh, Pac-12 fans, West Coast fans are always like accusing you of East Coast bias, even though I live in the South. I get constantly accused of East Coast bias. And they're like, you don't watch us. You don't watch us. And I'm like, you know what? It's partly true. A, because it's late. And I got young kids, but secondly, you know, at least once a week there's a game that I would watch, but it's on Pac-12 Network. I can't watch it. So Did I you reach- even watch the game? No, no, no. no. <laughs> One of the big misconceptions about covering college basketball is that you have to watch the games. Not that important. It's not really that important. And so I reached out to the uh, Pac-12 uh, office and I said, "Hey, listen, there's a lot of media members that would probably like to watch your games and." you know, see how good Oregon state is or isn't. Um, But like, we don't have access to your channel because you don't have a direct TV contract. Have you guys ever thought just throwing it out there? Cause just throwing it out there. You guys ever thought about providing logins to your streaming for, for people in the media so that we can actually see these games. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. I was like, well, that seems counterproductive, but uh, good luck growing your brand. Exactly. Conference of Champions. That's probably a Larry Scott thing. Uh, this is a tough one. I, I, I don't know. I, this one feels toss-up-ish to me. I think Villanova is a slightly better team. Excited to see your little homie from Memphis. He is. Kennedy Chandler. Who's he's been great. He's been great. He's been, he's been terrific. Uh, but him matched up uh, with either Gillespie or perhaps Justin Moore. We'll see how Villanova chooses to defend him. I think uh, I think this can be a wonderful game. I think this can be the very best game of the entire weekend in college basketball. I cannot wait to see it. Um, give me Nova to win. Nova to win and Nova to cover here. And I hope it lives up to the potential of being, you know, a very, very good game. Not as good maybe as Nova UCLA last weekend, but um, given the Wildcats also lost that, they've got a, a, just a, a bit of urgency here. I'll take Jay Wright's team to win. Kennedy Chandler is my little homie from Memphis. He's averaging... Team high, 18 points, five assists, 1.5 steals in 24 minutes per game. 18 points in 24 minutes per game. He's six of seven from three through two games. That's 85.7%. He's 100% from the free throw line. And you're picking against that guy? Yeah, I am. He's going to come out and put RIP Dolph on his sneakers and go for 25. Uh, I didn't. I didn't take that into consideration, actually. You don't yeah, pick. A, awesome. You don't. You don't pick against a young man from Memphis in the aftermath of Dolph's young Dolph's murder. That's a fair point. Although Jay Wright just got into the Hall of Fame, this is the Hall of Fame tip-off. I figure he might have, you know, the ghost of James Naismith. It'll basically be, uh, you know, the ghost of James Naismith backing Jay Wright here, while Kennedy Chandler will have understandable motivation after just a horrendous tragedy in your home city with young Dolph, talented rapper there just an awful 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 story i almost i don't i don't want to overstate it i didn't almost witness it but like i landed right after it happened at memphis international and i drive right past there to go to my radio studio or i drive near there to go to my radio studio but if i decide hey i might want to grab something to eat before i go to studio i might drive right past there and um yeah broad daylight I mean, it's clearly he got ambushed. It was a targeted hit. And um, when I was leaving the airport, 
they had already they were just now blocking off airways which is the street that is you know runs parallel to the airport because yeah the murder happened uh, you know a mile and a half from memphis international and obviously the city's just reeling because you know first off a prominent and i know he's you know i, I get it he's a flawed you know he, he lived a certain lifestyle but he also did a lot of really good positive things for his community and um, to see that happen is just uh wild and as of this moment they still don't have uh suspects so we'll, we'll see but uh yeah it's been a wild week here you taking tennessee of course Ken, I'm not going against Kennedy Chandler. That's crazy. By the way, I was looking at Villanova's team stats. They have four players averaging at least 16 points per game. That's that's not common. Uh, well, we're three games in. Like, let's let's give it a few more. I know what you're saying. It's not common, but they've also uh, the UCLA game was overtime, more minutes, and all that. They played, I think, six dudes in that game. So that's why that's happened. Yeah, I don't need your explanation. I was just stating a fact. They have four players averaging at least 16 points per game. Game four, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 18, North Carolina versus number six, Purdue, inside Staples Center. Kim Palm has it, Purdue, minus nine. You can watch that one on ESPN News. Did you know I'm going to be at this game? Yep. Yep. I didn't assume you were going to leave after Villanova, Tennessee. <laughs> what if I did that? What if I showed up? And then I was, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, what, did I, what did I tell you in the preseason? What did I harp on? I don't I don't listen when you talk. Okay. <laughs> Somebody actually did take a screen grab and they were like, I always assume Parrish clocked out when Norlander was talking. <laughs> it, it, it's like, and I'm like this. I'm like, just hurry up so I can get back to rambling again. Exactly. Talking about young Dolph and premarital sex. There we go. That's three shows in a row. Um, I told you Zach Eady was going to be awesome. Told you. You he didn't say he's going to put <laughs> Travion Williams on the bench. That I did not say. What is that about? It's about Zach Eady averaging 18.7 points, 10.3 rebounds, and two swats a game. Travion's doing all right for himself. He's averaging 11.7 points and 9.3 rebounds and three assists. Like, Williams has been the first guy off the bench uh, and still in 18 minutes a game. Produced friggin' terrific. Uh, they have been the reliable Big 10 team to this point. And I do think that will continue this week. If you have not yet seen Zach Eady, because you just didn't really follow Purdue a ton because they weren't like a top seed last season. They got knocked out right away in the tournament. He is probably going to be the most improved player in college basketball this season. And he's a monster. He's seven, four, and he just changes the entire dynamic for what Purdue can be. Purdue is three and O and has defeated three average teams right state you know might be the best team in the horizon whatever they killed them 96 52 they also have wins over indiana state and bellerman there um as for carolina uh also three and oh but it is flirted as we talked about this with gp on the previous podcast because he was there for the charleston game but uh flirted with brown and flirted with charleston in terms of taking a loss there one scored 94 in both of those games uh, beat Brown by seven in Charleston. They got away late. Um, so they are three and oh, but I do like Purdue in the spot. I like them to win. That line's big. I think, I think, I think too big. So if it's, I don't think it's, this is one of the deals where we got to give you the Ken Palm line because we don't have the actual Caesars line yet. I don't think it's going to be nine. 
I think it'll be like six and a half, seven. If it was that, it'd be a little bit tougher. I will take Purdue to win, but I will take Carolina to be inside the nine. I'll lay the points. Um, you know, North Carolina is 52nd at Kempom, 50th at Torvik, and 107th in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Kempom. They let Brown score 87, Charleston score 83. Meantime, Purdue is second in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Kempom. They've scored the 90s in all three games. They might put 100 on North Carolina. It's, it's possible. Yeah. They might put 100 on North Carolina. And so I'll take Purdue to cover that number. Uh, I want to circle back to the Trevion Williams thing. He was sixth on our list of top 101 players in college basketball. A consensus preseason All-American. And he is coming off the bench averaging 18.3 minutes per game. He's now fifth on the team in scoring. He was sixth on our list of top 101 players in the country. He's now fifth on his own team in scoring. And Matt Painter was asked about this recently um, and, and, and delivered a pretty lengthy quote. I guess he was asked about something along the lines of how does Travion feel about coming off the bench? And here's what Matt said. He said, uh, I don't think he agrees with it, but he does buy into it. And I don't want them to agree with me. I want them to be professional about it. I want them to understand the big picture about it and then go out knowing it's not personal. Their job when they came to Purdue wasn't to start. Their job when they came to Purdue was to help us win. I think it's hard to go through that, especially when you've started before. But if they've been around me, they know nothing's final, nothing's concrete. I'm not going to do it to appease somebody. I'm going to do what I think is best for Purdue. It does say a lot about Trevion, how he's handled it. You can see if they handle it maturely by how they play. They showed their maturity when they play well. If you come off the bench and you're really upset about it, you normally don't play well. You've got to have a clear mind. And then he went on to add that Zach and Trevion, quote, timeshare anyway, look at their stats. And it is true. Like Zach Eady is averaging 19 minutes per game. Trevion Williams is averaging 18.3 minutes per game, pretty close. But Eady is up 4.3 minutes per game from last season. And Williams is down 6.7 minutes per game from last season. So um, that's an interesting little thing, development that has happened in this season that a player as productive and prominent as Trevion Williams is coming off his bench and, and only playing 18 minutes per game, but it's hard to argue with the results. And, you know, who, who would I be to argue with? Like, Matt Painter and that staff know their team better than I know their team and you know their team. Um, I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing, but this is not something... Um, I don't think was on many people's radar in the offseason or in the preseason that Trevion Williams' role would be coming off the bench and playing less than 20 minutes per game. Uh, did you know, because I, I somehow missed this last month, and I, I stumbled into it last night when I was getting all of this stuff ready. You know, he had an incident with a McDonald's employee last month? I did not know that, no. Yeah, so some really uh, nice reporting done on this. Um I believe by the campus newspaper, if it's not, forgive me. Um, but apparently he was at a McDonald's um, after 1 a.m. and had made a mobile order for some fries. And they were like, hey, they we're closed. We're not going to be able to fulfill that order. And he's getting into it with one employee. And then that employee goes and gets the manager. The manager is like a, a woman in her 30s. And she comes out and she's it's it's there's audio recording of it. Like you can hear them talking and she's explaining to him, like we're, we're closed. Just, you're, and he's like, I've already been charged. And she's like, you're not going to be charged. Cancel your order. If you know, it'll give you peace of mind, but you know, you're not going to be charged for your 
fries. And he's like, I want my basket of fries. And then what you hear is um, clearly her walking away. And then you hear her scream. And she alleges that he pushed her down. There's video, surveillance video, that that this publication also obtained, is really well reported, that shows her falling undeniably as she's re-entering the store. But it's unclear. You cannot tell. I couldn't tell by watching the video if he shoved her or if the door made her fall or if she just fell on her own. I, I couldn't tell. And, and the way the report described it was similarly. They couldn't tell. Um, so it might just be a he said, she said thing. Purdue obviously didn't punish him in any sort of public way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no idea if any of this stuff is tied together. Um, but it, it it was a pretty under the radar. And no charges were filed. Nothing like that. Um, but yeah, he had a, at the at the very least, an uncomfortable, awkward, possibly inappropriate um, uh, incident with a McDonald's employee last month that I think mostly stayed off the national radar. Although I'm certain every Purdue fan, uh, especially the ones on the message boards, uh, know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I had not uh, heard that. But um, Williams also was asked about his role a couple, uh, maybe after the first game, maybe after the second game. And um, he gave a good response to it about, approaching that all that but i know i had not heard uh heard that but hopefully everything is is okay in regard to that last game cruising over an hour here let's wrap this puppy up um i'm just gonna call this i can't call every neutral court staple center if you want to do that that's that's fine i, I do, I do want to do that is it still the staple center as we speak or did that like did that are they changing the signage right now like it, i believe it changes next month but for okay. now in this moment it's staple center as is mohegan sun Okay. Friday. Hmm. Undefeated matchup here. 3 0 Wichita State against 3 0 Arizona in Las Vegas at the T Mobile Arena. 10 p.m. ESPNU. The line is Arizona minus nine. Tommy Lloyd's first high profile game as head coach of the Wildcats. Who you got? Oh, I'll lay the points. Somebody tweeted me this morning and said, when's the last time somebody won a national championship in their first year as a head coach? Because Tommy Lloyd's about to do it. What? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't quite that. But, like, they were really excited about the start of the Tommy Lloyd era. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll lay the points with Arizona. Um, but that is a, that's an obviously big number against the reigning American Athletic Conference champions. I'm going to, did you see the the video? I think it was Taylor Eldridge, local reporter out of Wichita. He shared. So this would have been after the Tarleton State win earlier this week. Uh, Wichita State wins because it's a 3-0. Dexter Dennis, uh, fantastic player. Him and Tyson Etienne are Wichita State's two best players. And I had just never seen this before. I don't know. I don't know if there's a backstory to this or if he just felt obligated to do, I don't know, but judging off the video that Taylor shared, um, it's like 45 minutes after the game has ended, press stuff is all done. And Dexter Dennis is walking around the stands with the cleaning crew, like picking up trash in the arena. Like he's a star on the basketball. So I, I don't know if, I, I don't know the backstory. I don't know if he, if he wanted to do it, if he, if it's something else where he was obligated to do it, I don't know. All I know is I'd never seen anything like that. And if this is something that he just felt like he wanted to give back, 
good on you, Dexter Dennis. Um, but I'd seen that earlier in the week and uh, I just can't ever rec- I, I've seen plenty of videos of players getting up shots an hour after the media has done what it needs to do and, and whatever. I'd never seen any player actually go, you know, bag in hand, picking up, you know, use cups and et cetera, all of that in the aisles. Um, so that was uh, that was interesting. And hopefully he was doing it for all the right reasons, which it seemed it was. I will take Wichita State with that in mind. I will take Wichita State. It's ninth a lot. Give me give me the shockers to finish inside that number. He might have just broken curfew, you know, it could be something like that. But I don't want to assume yeah, that. I don't I don't. I, so, yeah, I don't want to assume that. Let's, I, let's, I, I, have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. No, no. I can't even get my kids to pick up their high C's. I mean, and throw them away. Exactly. Got high C's just laying everywhere. Just throw your high C package into the garbage. That's not difficult. Dexter Dennis can come live in my house whenever he wants. We'll move him in upstairs. Just pick, if you could just pick up everybody's high C packages. Your kid's good at throwing things in the garbage. Yes, they are actually. Mine are terrible. Sorry. Hey, how about this? We're better. Full size bears. That's how I got a shade on. I got a shade down behind that with the flag. I'm still, but I, that's manageable. I feel like I'm not blinding viewers. Your, your lighting situation is so inferior to mine. It is undeniably, but my room situation is certainly superior. I'm gonna hop on the drums after this. Slam some skins for a couple minutes. Slam some skins. Right. You sound like Brandon I'm Davies. Sm- I'm gonna smash those skins, and you. <laughs> should smash that subscribe button shouts to nada again if you're watching on youtube the banner at the bottom says smash the like and subscribe buttons and then in parentheses <laughs> you have consent that's wonderful producing nada shouts to devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to anthony jones legend shouts to larnell thank you guys once again for listening to the island college basketball podcast in the middle of the absolute dumbest most ridiculous pandemic of my lifetime if you're not subscribed please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple podcasts while you're there please 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 rate it review it five stars and nice comments and then like deadleg said uh, go to that youtube page hit the bell button so you can get alerts when a new video drops i hit the bell button i don't think i've gotten an alert yet what do you think that means I think I think you might have to make a, a call to YouTube like you did the Pac-12 Network and see how that works out for you. <laughs> Somebody get YouTube on the on the phone for me. I'm not. I don't think I'm proper. I've got to call the YouTube. I gotta. Hello? I gotta get. I gotta get YouTube on the phone. I don't think my bell's ringing correctly, but they say it. They say it will. So like, trust them. Don't trust me. We started this thing 30 minutes late because of my wire. So don't trust me on this stuff. If they say you hit the bell button, you'll get alerts. Then. You probably will. It's just I don't recall getting an alert yet. Smash the like button. What would Brandon Davies do to that like button? <laughs> he would smash it. He would give up an entire year of basketball just to smash that like button. He's done it before. You have consent. Go smash it. We'll talk to you again on Monday morning. We should let people know. That's correct. Travel again. I've got a flight to New York City on Sunday night. And and successions on curb your enthusiasms on so my so monday morning from new york city my lighting situation should be great i should have manhattan in the background looking forward to it we'll talk to you then till then take care
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bad. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.